0: Hello, I'm Jason Ball, and this is Friends with Friends, the podcast where we explore all 236 episodes of the TV show Friends, one at a time, I'm joined by my regular friends, Jackie and Vanessa.
1: Hi, I'm Jackie Rodriguez, and I am the biggest Friends fan, and I got all my memorabilia today, and I'm so excited because we got the brains behind Friends, but first, <laughs> Vanessa.
2: I'm Vanessa Martinez, and I am the newbie. I have never seen a Friends episode in my life. Um oh my so- Yes, so Jackie has all the memorabilia, I have none, so hopefully I can get as much as she has one day.
0: (laughs) All right, so everybody's excited because we have a new friend, uh, Ira Ungerleiter, and you are a writer, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much, thanks for having me.
0: So you're a writer and producer on the show for the first three seasons, is that right?
3: That is correct, yeah.
0: Welcome, we're so excited because we always talk about these things and why did this happen and why did that happen and we know that you have all of those answers.
3: (laughs) I know that I have some of the answers.
1: (laughs) It's so (laughs) exciting. So what I want, first off, like how did you get started on Friends? Were you writer before and you went in or did you know somebody
3: from there? Uh, Did not know anybody. Um, Got extremely lucky uh, as these things happen. Uh, I was, I had a job before Friends, which was my first job in TV on an ABC show called Phenom. Or Phenom. I don't know. Still don't know how it was. (laughs) <laughs> Pronounced. It only went one, one season, um, but it was, of all, it was about a tennis phenom. It was like a, it was about a teenager, a, a female teenager tennis prodigy, and like what it was like. It, it, it was at the time there's this woman Jennifer Capriotti, who was like a mm-hmm. tennis teen phenom, and like in the late '80s, early '90s. And so oh, what would her life be like? And it was on ABC, and it was produced by James L. Brooks, who produces The Simpsons and Mary Tyler Moore, and all those great shows. Uh, and it was a multicam for ABC with Judith Light and William Devane uh, and Ashley Johnson and Todd Beliso, Um And went uh, one season that we were. I had a writing partner at that time named Adam Chase, who um, we went to college together. We got that job that uh, as staff writers. That show got canceled after one season. Um, the next spring, there was a bunch of pilots, um, and we met on a bunch of pilots. Um, one for the Martin short show and Martin short was doing like, a, a a 13 episode half hour. Um, we met on a show, a Diane English show, the woman who had done Murphy Brown, or I think, um, was currently doing Murphy Brown at that time. Uh, and, and Friends. friends was the third thing we met on. And, and that was the one we knew least of uh, the least about, like, you know, we'd heard of Diane English and, um, And we had heard of uh, Martin Short. He was like a huge star coming off of SCTV and Mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live at that time. He had all these amazing characters. Um, And so we were heavily, heavily leaning towards going on the Martin Short show. It's like, that's going to be a huge hit. We knew it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just so happens that our agent was, uh, was also the agent of David Crane and Marta Kaufman, who created Friends. And she's like, you know, uh, my other clients have created, have done this pilot. It's about young people. You guys, I mean, this time I was 24 years old.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I think you guys should meet on it. It's really your sensibility. And um, we went in and met on it. And I was so young and naive and dumb and, that I thought David and Marta were married, like a married couple who created <laughs> the show together. Which I thought was so cute, but it it turns out David is, is, uh, you know, openly gay, and Marta uh, was married to another man and they were friends (laughs) in college, Um, but uh, uh, I was very, a very, like, small town sort of guy. Uh, I didn't know anything. And uh, we were really leaning towards the Martin Short Show, and then our agents kind of, I don't remember the moment, but just, like, I think you have, you know, you have much more in common with this friend's pilot, Um, and We ended up taking the Friends show, you know, the 13 episode pickup on NBC and Martin Short got canceled and and the other one, Double Rush, they got canceled after their initial order of 13 and we'd never heard from again. And um, so it was just like an incredible bit of luck, coincidence, you know, hopefully met with a tiny bit of skill
0: you you're smarter than i am because i i don't know maybe it's because i'm in the news business but i was a huge fan of murphy brown and diane english was like a goddess to I mean i would have totally gone to work for her no matter what and then been out of a job in a few weeks
3: <laughs> yeah no it was, I, I, I remember the conversations but i don't remember the moment where we we decided to do friends instead of um the diane english show or the martin short show but it. it at the time, it seemed it did seem like a no-brainer that you would go for Martin Short or the Diane English show because they're, they had such a pedigree. And I, I don't remember the the moment where we were like, "Ah, oh, we'll do, we'll do Friends and see what happens." Um, so just you know, an unbelievable, unbelievable stroke of luck um, for a, for a fairly ordinary person from New Jersey.
0: <laughs> Serendipity strikes. That's a good thing, though. I know you guys have a million questions to ask, so jump in. I know.
1: Okay, so um, you said it was a stroke of genius, like stroke of luck, that you started this. And then, you know, it really started to pick up, and then being part of that ride of the popularity, you know, 30 million people, we don't get that nowadays, you know, tuning into this. How was that ride, like being part of it from the beginning and taking off?
3: Um, it was – I think surreal is probably a word people use. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll put it. I'll parse it into little segments. You first, you start this job on mm-hmm. a show. It isn't anything like it's. Mm-hmm. I've started. You know, I've been doing this for I don't know twenty seven years. Mm-hmm. I've started many many shows. You know, some of that have gone a couple seasons. You know, some like How I Met Your Mother that it was really were really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that went two, something went four. Most like crash and burn right away. That's just the statistics <laughs> of shows. So you have to imagine like walking into a new job, like driving onto the Warner Brothers lot. Okay. You have to park here and here's where you get your coffee. I mean, and this is like 1993. So it's not like you're on your your phone. You're not surfing the internet. There is no internet. You you basically are sitting there awkwardly as like the, all the new kids filter in. And you're like, oh, my name's Jeff. My name's Ira. Hi, I'm Adam. Hi, David. Marta. You know who I'm starting to realize they're not a married couple. But, um, it's like it's like June in 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 Burbank. It's sweltering. It's like a hundred degrees, and you're trying to wear your best shirt, but it's sticking to you. And and um, you know, I'm 24 years old. I experienced. I had this one season of television, which was really neat. But had not experienced too much, and then you you go to work, and you don't know if it's going to be good or bad. You don't know if it's going to be canceled. Statistically, it's going to be canceled immediately. There's no big stars on the show, so it's not like oh, we're going to ride the coattails of you know uh, you know Eddie Murphy or something like that. It's like mm-hmm. they're all relatively unknown. Um, we start writing the show, so you're, so you're writing the show. Um, in, a, in a total vacuum, you have the pilot to go on, and now you're talking about things like what should the parents be like, you know? And so none of these things exist. Like Monica's parents don't exist. Um, uh, you know, uh, Rachel's parents, Rachel's sister, none of it exists. There, it's just what was in the pilot. So you're, you know, I, I sadly gave away my big notes packet, but like it was like this thick of like just conversations, conversations, conversations. What should parents be like? Should they be, you know, typical parents? Should they like not be typical TV parents? Um, and I, I'm, you, you know, I'm sure Jackie has heard the story of Stan the Cop, but um, Stan the Cop is a famous development of Friends story where, you know, the the network brass at that time was really concerned this show would only appeal to young people. Like no one over the age of thirty mm-hmm. is going to watch this show. It's going to be really a really small demographic. We've got to expand kind of like the the audience of this show, can you please add some older characters? And so there was this like character that kept like bouncing around of like Stan the Cop, who would walk into the coffee house, like, hey, morning, kids. And he, you know, he's like a guy in his 40s or whatever 50s who would like get his coffee and his, you know, his Danish and like, what's going on today? Like, ah, you kids. And it's like this guy was in several scripts that he fell out of, uh, but he, he did exist of this older character that was going to like bring a perspective. And he, he just kept getting cut every time the show would eventually get to production and the cop dropped out. Um,
1: (laughs) I've never heard uh, that before. So that's, yeah, that's that's
3: a friend's story. So Um, you
0: guys just kept cutting it because it just didn't work.
3: Yeah. You would do like a table read Monday and then you'd, you know, get notes from the network and studio and you'd kind of have the writers would talk and what worked, what didn't work. You do a run through Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you know, up on its feet and, you know, you'd see what jokes work if the storylines were, were compelling, not compelling, funny, not funny, et cetera. And Stan, I don't know if Stan ever got cast or made it to like a run through, but, but, <laughs> but he was in script and he surely never made it to Friday night when you taped the show. Um, but it's just, it, 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 it's, it speaks to how little anyone knew about what was happening. Like what's popular, what's going to work? Um, how many characters do we have to bring in? What are their parents going to be like if they come in? Like it all didn't exist yet. Um, and so what, you know, going back to your question, it was just like a job. you're doing your best to make it work. And even the first like tape tape filmings, you should really call them because they're on film. um you know, in the in the last era of filming shows, now everything's on obviously yeah. on visual video tape, because it's a lot cheaper and you can shoot a lot more. Mm-hmm. This was on actual film celluloid film. Mm-hmm. Um, you we did the first few filmings. you end up starting in August before the television television season starts. So we had filmed four or five episodes that before, anyone in the world knew what Friends was. You, 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 you know, it's like people on Universal, Universal City Walk, that they have that clipboard person that's like, do you wanna watch a taping of a live TV show? <laughs> it's, you know, a new, it's a new show, it's a new show, but it, you've never heard of it. Like it's not on TV, So you're like, I guess I'll do that. So just like people wandering in. We taped four or five of the shows before it even went on the air and everyone kind of looks at each other after each filming and goes like, I mean, it didn't suck, it was okay. <laughs> like, there was a lot of laughs. It was pretty good. Like, we just don't want it to be terrible. Um, so were you, they, you know, it,
0: were you just kind of, like, protecting your own emotions that you thought you might have something here, but you weren't sure? So you were just kind of trying to protect yourself, or you just really don't know how it's going to go?
3: You don't know how it's going to be perceived, and you. I, I can assure, like, everyone in the whole world, maybe from my perspective, I could. Uh, there was nothing that said this is going to be, like, a long-lasting popular show. It seemed like likable and had some stuff going for it, but there was, there was people didn't look at each other smug, like we got it, like this is it. It was a show, like people had worked on many, many shows, you know? Um, you know, David and Marta had worked on shows that had come and gone. My first job had come and gone. The actors had all done, had done lots of shows, Schwimmer and, and Jennifer and Matthew had all done, and LeBlanc had all done lots of pilots and series that got canceled. So there was no sense like we've made it. This is special. It's a, it was just like, here's a show. Let's do our best. I hope it doesn't get canceled immediately. Um, so, and it was like that throughout the first season of just like, let's try to do the best we can. And maybe it won't get canceled immediately, basically.
0: So my recollection, and I, I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent right on this, is that this was kind of the first kind of ensemble cast of friends or people who were, weren't related or in a work environment or something like that. So, is that a correct assumption that it was that way? Or anyway? I mean,
3: you have to point to Seinfeld as like four yeah, friends yeah. that you know were, didn't have like a work or something or family connecting them. It was, the tone was just so different. But I, I do think, you know, lots of shows owe a ton to Seinfeld in just terms of like an ensemble of friends, the stuff you talk about with your friends, the crazy little things you talk about with friends. I think they really pioneered. I think friends had so much you know, A it was like twenty somethings instead of thirty somethings, and it sort of introduced the element of not introduced the element, but it had heart, you know, where Seinfeld was never going for heart, no hugs, no lessons, they would say. Uh-huh. Whereas Friends was just, I think invested in having satisfying stories where you felt good and you rooted for stuff. And so it was sort of like an ensemble of friends with heart. Um, and kind of like, you know, basically just got through that first season. And the ratings were pretty good but they weren't like oh my god they were like you've got to like you've got to like hold your lead in so i think we were at 9 30 at that time um and you've got to hold whatever the nine o'clock show i, I don't I can't remember that that far back if it was cheers or seinfeld or or frazier or what, what it was following when it started and they i think they just it was mad about you, about you. oh no it's right. just yeah. mad about, you. It was mad about yeah. you yeah it was like you can't lose the whole audience of your your the show on the hour that's all you got to do so You know, we had little drop-offs that were, okay, okay. That's But at the end of the season, we weren't, like, guaranteed hit, baby. Like, we're all coming back. It was kind of like, wait and see, wait and see. And it was the summer um, after the first season when things started to go a little nuts. Like, the reruns of Friends were building on Seinfeld or Mad About You. I can't remember what what was leading into it in the summer. It was building on it, which is ridiculous. No one watched in the summer in those days. That's, like, reruns. You go on vacation or you do your whatever. People didn't watch TV because it was all reruns. Mm-hmm. And like, it just kept, it, it started developing this audience. And so by the fall season two, it's, that's when it started to become like this weird phenomenon that started to get bigger and bigger. And that's the point where it was like, what is this? Like what is happening? Um, <laughs> and that's when the magazine started and people were going like, Oh my God, they're on the cover of every magazine. And, and, you know, you, I think that was a season of the Pepsi or the diet Pepsi campaign. And then there was, you know, rolling stone cover. It was just like, wow. But I will tell you from a writer perspective, and from everyone on the show um, who, who worked on the show, probably even the actors, it seemed like there was two shows. There was the show. There was the, your job that you go to every day, where you've got to like, like I said, get coffee. I mean, there wasn't like a coffee craze yet, so you didn't send like the PA to Starbucks. You got you poured the coffee from like the burnt, <laughs> the, the burnt pitcher into a styrofoam cup. We didn't even know styrofoam was bad yet, and you like. <laughs> You know, eight tons of snacks, and you sat down, and you like worked out the stories, and you tried to fix the script, and then in magazines and and like you know in the news, you'd see this other show, Friends, that was like becoming a huge phenomenon. But that seemed like oh, I wish I worked on that show. That'd be a great show. It seems really popular, uh, but it didn't. It didn't seem like that when you're just putting in the hours and you're doing your job and you're writing the script and other. Oh, the, Didn't go well, the table read wasn't good, the rehearsal wasn't good. Let's fix that, let's fix that. Um, It started, we started to get a little sense of it when Julia Roberts came to town. That was the first time I feel like, I was like, whoa, this is really big because that's Julia Roberts like on stage and that's exciting um, because she's a huge movie star. Um, And uh, We were at run through one time and like I, I made a comment about feeling like a scene wasn't working without a last line um, when when Julia Roberts and Matthew Perry uh, were like making out on the couch, and she's like, "Have you ever even been on a date?" And I was like, "Wow, I just got told off by Julia Roberts."
5: <laughs> <laughs> <own> yeah. <laughs> but weren't
1: they dating at the time, or did they? That's what I've I've heard is they were dating at the time when they film when you guys filmed that.
3: From what I remember, yeah, they dated for a short while. And what I what I think I remember, I don't I don't think it's to be private or anything. But what makes it so what's so of the time is that like. They would fax each other. <laughs>
2: I don't even know how to work a fax machine. I yeah, I know. It would like
3: flirtatiously fax each other and like you oh know, Perry God. is so funny. He would send her funny faxes. Like, can you imagine <laughs> that like being the mode of communication? And then like, yeah, she came on the show and I don't know how long they dated or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. that was that was the impression I got. I don't know if they actually did. Um, but that was really exciting. And then like people started to come by, like. Helen Hunt did a little guest spot and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal did did a yes. a, a, a teaser called Open. Um, and like Brooke Shields was there and John claude Van Dam, which is yes. the top I mean, That was a huge a huge yeah. star. Um, well, that, that, that that's when it started cool. to get kind of exciting.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned that you, you know, you had to revise the scripts many times, but on average, how many script rewrites happened with each episode, would you say?
3: Uh many many many. Um, Friends was famous for its hours and so uh, throughout the first three seasons, I mean it wasn't unusual to be working 20 hours a day right? um, I saw the sun come up many many times. Um, they, you know David and Mart are, are perfectionists and they wanted things to be absolutely perfect and so we would we would you know first you'd come up with a story outline it someone would go off and write a draft that draft would come back you'd rewrite that one or two times that would get handed in to the studio would get notes you do a rewrite it goes to the network you get notes you do a rewrite excuse me you do a table read i just you know everyone sitting around table eating bagels you do a huge rewrite you'd do a rehearsal on tuesday huge rewrite Huge, huge rehearsal on wednesday do a huge rewrite thursday you were still doing like fixes Jokes, and then even up to Friday night when you're filming it, you're fixing, you're rewriting. We'd like, be scribbling on, you know, different lines on paper and different jokes and stuff. So, so innumerable numbers of times, and the hours were, the hours were such um, were a big part of the reason why I couldn't stay. Like I, I love, I love the show, but something about my constitution, even being young, I've never been the kind of person that can survive like night after night after night without sleeping. Um, and so I I was just like, I have to, I have to tap. I didn't actually tap out. I stayed with the company and created a show with Christina Applegate called Jesse, which was only on for two seasons. So I was still kind of around and I I peeked into the friend's room and the Veronica's closet room that was that, that fourth year of friends as those shows were getting going. And I developed the show, Jesse, so I, I was around everybody for like five years.
0: So give us a, like a walkthrough of like a, a the timetable for an episode. So you're, first of all, do you, do you lay out kind of a, do you know where the season's going when you start the season or is it evolving throughout the, the course of the season?
3: Um, there were discussions early on about like where the first season would be going in the vaguest possible terms. Um, and I'm like, I'm someone who really likes to see, see stuff up on a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. And so there was a there was a famous day only a few weeks in, not famous, famous in my life, not to anyone else, where I, I drew this timeline across like three whiteboards to say, all right, let's plot out kind of the Ross racial thing, so I can sort of see it. And David Crane, who does not like things to be put on whiteboards until they're like more solid, basically said, "Well, they okay, erase that whole thing," or maybe it just sort of sat there unattended for like weeks. My <laughs> timeline, um, um, but yeah, you talk through every season, the the timeline of like maybe major points and you're, you're talking 22 episodes, sometimes 24 episodes. It was like a huge undertaking, you know, like a vague idea of where you're going, but that's subject to change a vague idea about where you want to be in the middle of the season, but that's subject to change. Um, weeks and weeks and weeks of discussions, of discussions, of discussions, story, breaking, story, breaking, story, breaking until like maybe the first three episodes start to kind of come together. But um, everything was subject to change. And, and another thing Friends did famously was throw out stories like all the time. You know, it's just like you wrestle with something, you wrestle with something. Each, each episode usually had three storylines, except for, I mean, they, they all did, even the No One's Ready and the football had sort of three threads. Same, Like famously we'd throw out a thread or Like the table read didn't go well We'd throw out that the one story, the Schwimmer story the, You know, the rehearsal went poorly We'd throw out the Jennifer story and come up with a new one and Then you're now 7 o'clock at night Ordering pizza in And coming up with a whole new storyline For one third of the episode And writing it And so that's when it pushed into like 3, 4 in the morning
0: wow. So there are three threads no matter what wow. And if you throw it out you have to recreate another one
3: yeah, I, I think generally, I don't, I don't know, all 10 seasons, there were three threads in each sort of story, kind of like an A story, a B story, and a C story, we call them. Um, and mm-hmm. all, thrown out all the time, like all the time at any stage, from from conception to wow. getting notes from the network, to reading it out loud, to rehearsing it. And, and like when you're Wednesday night and you're shooting Friday and you're coming up with a new story, it's like looking back, it's like, exciting and it's like that SNL thing where that they stay up all night and write these sketches and they get thrown out but it was tr- it was trying even for someone who was who was 24 25 years old. Is there a,
2: uh, is, is there a throw out of you know a storyline that you remember that hurt you the most?
3: Oh gosh. Good um, question.
5: Uh, <laughs> there I can't is one.
3: This, I can't remember when this was
5: <laughs>
3: I may be misremembering there this. This may have been a fever dream I had. That so we had some story about a circumcision and a fake foreskin. Like, that's the only thing that sticks in my oh, mind. No, like, is. No, I remember this. Did that, does that I mean, ever is, occur? It's
1: it's, yes, later on. Okay, so no, no, but it was,
0: it was supposed to be the Joey when he was doing the the nude scene and then he didn't get the episode. We talked about it. I can't remember now. Yeah.
3: There was a Foreskin story season like two, because I remember we were in the different offices, that like we stayed with and stayed with, and the network just kept swatting it and swatting <laughs> it. So maybe it like eventually came back after it I did. left in an audition thing, but it was like a – it was something about like, yeah, insecurity about a circumcision or something that that I remember was like, you know, David or Marta walking in the room shaking their head like, it's not going to fly, guys. Sorry. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not happening.
0: I feel like for the 90s, it was – pretty risque about the sex talk, particularly sex talk across gender lines. And was that something that you guys were consciously trying to push all the time or did it just kind of happen? And-
3: it's, am- it's amazing, like considering today's day and age and the internet, like mm-hmm. what could be, possibly be shocking, like what could possibly shock us. But it, at the time we were getting a, a lot of pushback on sex stories, sex talk, things like that. Um, And even the sex talk was kind of tame, like, you know, Monica Uh and Rachel arguing about who's going to use the condom. It's like all very healthy, all very healthy and positive, you know, but it was like, whoa, 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 guys. I'm sure you you know the story of the famous, like, questionnaire that was passed out at the pilot by the NBC brass. Oh, about Monica Um, being a slut? (laughs) Monica was a slut because she, like, slept with a guy. Um, I I don't know if they were not married or what the, but, like, (laughs) that's the time of, like, you know, people, you know. Everything we did was so risque, but it doesn't. It seems so tame at the time. I mean, I agree with you. The
0: condom scene, where they're fighting over the condom, seemed very risque for the time because it's just something, it especially for didn't, women, to be talking about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, is it? Oh gosh, Yeah. Go ahead. Go good, Go, is, on, go, ahead, go ahead. is
2: it true that um, Matthew Perry would, you know, throw in his ideas as well to the writers
3: with jokes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's he's a hilarious guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he, you know, we would, he would either like test out a joke at a run through, you know, like by replacing, you know, like replacing a line that was in the script with his joke. And if it was funny, we'd we'd be like, that's hilarious. That's great. That stays. But if it wasn't funny, we'd be like, Hey, what was wrong with the line? That was there. Um, he, He would, he would always, um, you know, he would often be in like the huddle, which is like. Mm-hmm. You're on, you're shooting the show, and a joke doesn't work, um, and uh, a joke falls flat with the audience. And the writers would all huddle, and you know, in the time it takes to reset and and do the scene again, Perry would often, um, uh, like pitch on stuff. I, the thing that springs to mind is like there's this. I think I think it's like when Eddie, the crazy guy, is at their door or something, and Matt and Matthew like guard the door, and he's got like a dish soap or something and he's like holding the dish soap as a weapon and then he just <laughs> opens the little end of it as, like yeah. the additional like loading it. Like that's a very Perry thing and and um, to add that little bit on there. Um, yes. and, and, and the way he the way he emphasized different words all mm-hmm. comes yeah. in and like we j- j- learned to adapt to the uh, putting the emphasis not on the word you expect like when yeah. you know, coming out of the bathroom we, we had written like my eyes, my eyes which came out, my eyes, my eyes <laughs> it's bizarre, but it is his signature sort of delivery. And
2: yeah, how- I love that. How important, we're noticing as we're watching, um, we're seeing so many Easter eggs, you know, um, somebody was in a sorority, they included a little imprint of their symbol. Um, somebody's father was in the episode. This was, you know, the dog that we see in the story was Jennifer Aniston's apparently. How important was it to incorporate family, you know, like writer, I don't know. something that, that was important to the writer per se, like kids or anything like that. Well, like um, Mart-
0: in this episode, Marta Kaufman's kids are in the in the swing. Sweet, right? yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, it would come up probably as you imagine it, which is like, oh, we need a name for this character. How about Tilly, which was my grandma's name, which ended up being like Eddie's girlfriend or whatever, oh, yeah. ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, you know, you're, you're sitting in a room at a conference table and someone comes in and says oh we need to change the name for this character and someone's like lester because someone they went to school with you know obviously david and marta knew people that they named characters after um people's yeah marta's kids I, I don't know if anyone else had kids at that time maybe real maybe babies maybe they had babies um but marta had two kids um at that time and they i, I think they were in the, the like museum diorama scene as like the kids stand, like staring agape as things rock and Rachel <laughs> oh, yeah. wake up in the diorama. Oh, yeah, sir, yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: so it was, it was pretty casual. It was like, Hey, if we need a name, use your friend's name. If you wrote the episode, you could probably name the character what you wanted. Um, um and, and as you would imagine, a lot of the stories came from things that had happened to the writers, basically, you know, like from Minnesota and and not getting out of the chairs for the whole weekend, like this stuff, we had experienced became stories
0: so let's like timetable it back through like this episode we're talking about today the the one with the football so you come up with a a, all the writers are together discussing the kind of the basic plot right and then somebody you went off and you wrote the first edition of the script is that so that it happened on a monday and to a tuesday or how did that how did that work?
3: Well, you you'd, you'd probably want to be, like, weeks in advance. You'd okay. be weeks ahead um, in terms of stories. Um, and I'm, I, I think that must have been in late summer, because if it, if it was shooting to be a Thanksgiving show, it probably shot in September, meaning it was probably sweltering August in Burbank when we were, like, talking about this. It wasn't my idea. Um, Greg Malin, who is another writer who came on second season, and was there for quite a long time, was a good friend of mine, had the idea of like a Thanksgiving football game um, that they all played. And I didn't like the idea. I I can't remember if I thought like the stakes would be too low. Like, you know, first of all, I thought the stakes would be too low. Second of all, I thought it would look bad. Like Mm -hmm. this is a multicam on a stage. We're not going to be able to film it in a way that looks, like a football game outside, you know, it's like New York. It's I grew up in New Jersey. It's like cold and <laughs> wind blowing. The grass is dead, and da, da da da. I remember really resisting the idea of the of the episode of like you know they play they play a football game, um, and, and it, it it just kept it kept getting traction. It kept kind of sticking around, and since I had written the one where no one's ready. For no reason, I became the guy to write the group episodes. Like anytime <laughs> it was like, it's the group doing something, the group is stuck, the group, like an all play we would call it. Since I was like the all play guy, like you're gonna write the football one. I was like, I don't even like the football idea. Um, I, well, I shouldn't <laughs> be able to write it, but I ended up being the one that wrote the draft of the football. I mean, I, look, I played tons of fall football in New Jersey growing up when it's freezing and your your fingers are freezing and your toes are freezing. And, you know, I thought they did a good job building that giant football park area on a downstage. Um, and, uh, you know, I had often I always fought with my brothers and sisters about things, stupid things like trophies and who won the championship and who's the best. So I, I had that to bring to it. Um, I just I just have to admit, I you know, the one where no one's ready is an idea I had and really wanted to do. Football was what I didn't want to do, but I wrote it anyway. And then you know the writer writes the draft and then everybody kind of pitches jokes and um you know it goes it becomes an all play for the writer. the writer only writes the initial draft but but speaking of like adding names in there's this strange dutch character in that episode yes,
4: i was
2: wondering about her and her name is,
3: is her name is marha and the reason her name is marha is uh like the person who did my taxes you know i'm 25 years old i have i had i couldn't you know i had to find the cheapest accountant in the world it was a woman who, who worked out of her garage like who had like your you had all your receipts out on like a piece of plywood named marha and, and so i named the character after her as like a pretty dutch girl that um, they met at the park, but but everyone had such a hard time imagining how that name was pronounced, even though it's it's like marha, like it's not that hard. Um, and I think I believe the actress who came in pretended to really be Dutch. And I think she was American. But yes, yes,
5: yes.
0: But, but I think it's the funny part that he first he thinks her name is and Joey. Thinks her name is Dutch.
3: Yeah, <laughs> like me Dutch. Yeah, yeah. The, the Joey, Joey, like we would joke about how like joey would sometimes get dumber and dumber the more
5: yeah.
3: you know the, 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 the how like how dumb can you make him before you have like assassinating the character But
0: um, yeah. <laughs> then, he's nice then he's super sweet of the other side of it and gives chandler the great the good advice about how to deal with janice in the the, the previous episode so yeah.
3: yeah 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 um so yeah ball football who's he's
0: your cute. favorite character
3: who's my favorite character gosh um I mean, it sort of evolved. It sort of evolved. Like in the beginning, I think young nerdy comedy writers really liked writing for Chandler because, you know, you felt a kinship as sort of the outsider and the sarcastic one. Like every comedy writer is the sarcastic one. So, like to put sort of sarcastic lines in his mouth and hear them delivered so funnily was 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 really satisfying. And like, you know, he he usually got the last line to every scene because it was he's gonna be funny. Um, um, I mean, uh, it was the people that, that I think surprised me that I gravitated towards more, like they're obviously also incredibly talented, but like Lisa's a pro, like Lisa making you laugh is not a big shock. She's like the the funniest person in the world, you know? Um, But like, I felt like Monica and, and Joey's characters maybe started out with with the least defined sense of humor, let's say you know, you know, in the pilot, uh, Joey's like, you know, I am New York guy. I'm an actor. I'm not terribly bright. I like chicks. But like as his, his the the, the depth of his sort of the way he saw the world started to get defined. I found that really funny. Matt LeBlanc's also a great 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 human being, so that was really satisfying. And and then Courtney, who I felt like came to it, um, had done comedy before, but like I don't know if we knew exactly how her character was funny um like she's not competitive and neat in the pilot you'll notice like that didn't exist that came on a little episode two or three and the way she bit into that was really i thought impressive how she like made incorporated and developed that character for herself and then there were times when schwimmer like you realize the craft the the stuff he does like there's there's a moment when they're having a bit he and jen are having a big fight and they're 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 just yelling at each other, and they're they're insulting each other's profession, like fashion and dinosaurs. And he he takes his jacket off in a way that's like the jacket
4: attacking him, and
3: that's all him. And I felt like that was a nuance that was really brilliant of like something he just found physically. That was that was um, that was really cool. And then and then Jen is like, I mean, you know. She's like the the ter- Terry Gar who was on the show, but the Terry Gar of our age, like just that, just that that likable, funny person um, who can you know just carry anything she sinks her teeth into. Just a really really funny person. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, you, you sort of like rooted for different teams at different times Do in the season, kind of thing.
2: Do you keep in contact with any of the cast members?
3: Not no, I mean no. Um, uh, like if I ran into someone, I would say hello, and they would say hello. Um, mm-hmm. I, I ran into uh, Matt LeBlanc uh, a few years ago at like uh, some kind of a charity event, mm-hmm. and um, he was he was reminding me. He immediately he was dating. Um, uh, Gosh. Chris, he was dating at the time, another actress that you would know um, who's really funny, I just can't remember it, but he's like, that's the guy, that's the guy. I guess he had told her this crazy story of the very first Emmys I ever got to go to, where I drank way too much Jack Daniels on an empty stomach. Oh, Like, on the way to the thing, and then by the time I got there, I was like, deliriously drunk. And so during the Emmy ceremony, I'm like yelling to Matt, I'm like, LeBlanc, LeBlanc, like heroes. And everyone's just looking at this like insane young person. Um, and Penny's and like, like 15 years later was like, that's the guy, that's the guy, it's the story I told you about. Um, so that's not my ring. But, I, you know, I think it's, you know, I think I saw them more years and years ago. I think. I I, I think it's hard, you know, for them to go out. That's the sense I got at the time when you talk about, like, for us, it was like, we went to work every day and got your coffee and worked on the scripts. by second season. They couldn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. without being like mobbed. And that was the first time when I did not envy famous people. Like I didn't want any part of that. Like so many times weird people would come up to them. Like just, just, you know, imagine just you're going about your day and, you can't get anywhere you can't get a, a bagel or go to the dry cleaner or, like get gas without someone literally coming up to you and starting a conversation about a thing that's not you it's like a character you play mm-hmm. and like people started to send weird letters to the offices and like people would like get tickets to the taping mm-hmm. and come up to the front rail and be like really aggressive and so i was like i don't think i want any part of that and, and i think they started going out less and less.
2: Do you watch um, your episodes when you see them on TV?
3: If I like stumble across it, yeah. Like if I'm surfing or something, channel surfing. Um, obviously not real surfing because it'd be hard to watch TV. <laughs> um, but if I, see, I mean, if I see one that I thought was a really good one, even if I wasn't there, like the one, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what, know what it was called, but the contest to see who knows better, who knows who better. Oh yeah. The
4: yes.
3: trivia. But I had nothing to do with that episode. That was like the year after I left and Mm -hmm. my friends were on it. But I just thought there's an idea. I was probably rejected out of hand. Like no one in the whole world would have a who knows who better contest. That's not a thing that sounds like a realistic thing. But the fact that they stuck with it and like did it, I think is such a great, such a great episode in terms of like pace and energy and like turning a very silly thing into a very meaningful thing. So I like Mm -hmm. that. I'll watch it. I think the one where like Chandler and Monica are in the bathtub and like she has Mm -hmm. to keep hiding underwater um, is a great one. I'll watch that one. Um, And any of the ones that were funny, I will watch, but if you know, I don't know if I've seen the one where where no one's ready or football or Russ or the monkey. Any of the ones I was a part of, I haven't seen them in a while, but not, not Mm -hmm. for any reason.
0: What about the one you were, uh, weren't you actually on one of the episodes coming up? Here in season
3: three, you were the noisy neighbor. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I forgot about that. I'm just—I mean, just on a, a muffled voice. But like, there's there's an example of a story. a story got thrown out by Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. I don't know when, so whatever the Phoebe story was, got thrown out. It didn't work. The table read was bad, or the Tuesday run through was bad. So I distinctly remember it was like being one or two in the morning and we had like i think split into groups or something um to like you know sometimes we'd split up like okay you guys work on the rest of the other two stories to get start the rewrite and then another group come up with like this this runner this sea runner and i remember being in this little group i think it was with scott and shauna with um scott silverian shauna goldberg me and mehan and uh uh, this the story, like, sort of spontaneously kind of invented itself. Of sort of, they could hear this story mm-hmm. kind of through the ceiling, like the, the arc of a relationship, like her going up to tell the guy to, you know, shut the fuck up, then like him charming her, then them dating, then them breaking, like, I think having sex, and then them breaking up, and all sort of muscles. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. You could hear, hear the tone of everything. So what, ha- what happened was, I guess at the run through, no one could do the thing that I had pitched. Like no one could do the, could understand that you do like the how you change the tone. And so Lisa, I think someone tried to do it with Lisa and it wasn't working. So like Ira, go back there and do the like the thing. Mm-hmm. So I ended up doing it with Lisa backstage with a microphone. I think we had cups over our mouth. And so it was like, that, that, that is my um i was upstairs kenny in that episode um i think i'm uncredited i think they, they made up a nonsense word um for, for, for me but yeah i was on that episode i forgot but that was fun that was fun doing stuff with lisa kudrow because she's really fun
0: mm-hmm. she seems very funny and fun to be around
3: yeah and she's a she's a nice person and very smart and uh you know, I'm sure you know she was like slated to be a biochemist or something before mm-hmm. she started improvising and acting. So you could either, you could talk about, you know, biochemistry or improv, you could easily talk about either one.
1: And then yeah. she falls in love with a bio- biochemist. <laughs>
3: yeah, in fact, that was an episode that that Adam, my partner, myself and Lisa came up with together.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: back back before they were crazily famous and you could go out, we would go out. Like we went to Mulberry Street Pizza with Lisa and then we went, we went out for beers with, um, Ch- with uh, Perry to like talk about, you know, t- potential episodes. So yes, Lisa said I should like date like a, like a chemist or something.
4: Whoa. And
3: um, so Adam and I came up with the idea and loved the Hank Azaria idea because we were huge friends of Hank Azaria just from The Simpsons um, where, we, you know, we had mm-hmm. come from that company the year before. And and but we didn't know that like that character would come back again and again. That was just supposed to be a one off. But like I guess the the, chemi- the chemistry was really good, so that ended up that ended up coming up coming back. But um yeah, that was an idea. Lisa sort of mm-hmm. came up on her own.
2: What do you think about you know you see you know Jackie is a huge fan. What do you think of those people who she falls asleep to the show every night? That's I like do. her thing. <laughs> It is. Does it like freak you out in a way? Does it make you excited?
3: Um, I mean, it. It. I mean, how could it be anything but like satisfying, you know? And like, if you, you know, you you get into this to make people laugh and making people like. There's so few things that that bring you immediate pleasure other than laughing. You know, it's like we need more of it right now. I die. I'd kill to like laugh my ass off or like laugh hysterically. Um, and, and, you know, I felt that way about Seinfeld at the time. Like, this is so funny. I enjoy this so much. Um, so, so that it, that it's, I just never could have predicted its longevity. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it got really popular. And it stayed popular and then i think maybe there was a tiny kind of lull and then it just when it came to netflix I guess there was like a whole nother generation of people and i, I just didn't think it would hold up in that way like
4: yeah.
3: i just didn't think it, I, you know we used to watch reruns of the brady bunch and stuff when we were growing up and it's it was on like 1700 times a week it, you know it used to be a prime time show in the 60s um in the 70s i would watch the reruns and it's like I, don't know, I mean I guess The Brady Bunch was really good so I guess it did become very very popular in 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 reruns mm-hmm. but I couldn't have predicted that we'd still be talking about it mm-hmm. um, and and I've I've asked many people the question like what is it about the show that is so appealing like I know they're like good looking and it's pretty funny and it's pretty well written and the stories are pretty good but like I don't get what the what the like the magic is or the special sauce of it. So well, I asked everyone what what it is, like what's so special.
1: Well, for me when I was watching it, I just moved to Southern California. I'm 34, so I was 20 and I remember sitting down with my best friend who I moved down here with and I'm from a small town in Northern California and we would just laugh together. Like it was the experience of watching friends together and we would be laughing out loud together and at that point in my life but you know I small town girl moving to a big city, and then finding your way. So again, you relate to certain storylines. And then, like, I'm a very cleanly person. So I relate to Monica in that way. I'm very straightforward. Like I relate to Monica in that way. So you find things in your life that you can totally relate to in that. And then I'm just having a good time with my with my best friend with it. So I think that is more the nostalgic of remembering that time when I first moved down here and growing with that show. So Mm -hmm. I think that's what it is for me. And then as far as like falling asleep to it, it all just became comforting because it's just, I know what's happening and it just, it brings me back to just a happy time of laughing. Like you said, like there's nothing more pure than laughing. And so that's what the feeling is for me. And that's why I love it so much. And, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's home to me, you know?
3: Yeah, no, (laughs) I guess, I get that. And Jason said something earlier that was interesting, which, which someone said, um, I asked, um, Olivia Milch, her dad's David Milch. She's like a famous drama writer, like who came from like NYPD blue. And he's he's, like, he's done like every big famous drama you've ever heard of. And his, his daughter is also a brilliant writer. Um, and I, I was, I was doing a one day writing job with her on some movie or something like that. And, and I asked her like, what, you know I still don't know what the appeal like I know what the appeal was I don't know what the mm-hmm. like the magic was of it and she said it was it felt like the first show where like men and women had parody and could talk about sex like with mm-hmm. amongst their group of friends it wasn't like mm-hmm. the girls were off like this and like the guys mm-hmm. were like hey i'm gonna get some tonight you know it was it was like a group of gen Xers who the guys and the girls were equal. Like it, mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was your dating story, your dating story, the guy's dating story, the girl's dating story. The girls were speaking frankly about sex. The guys were speaking frankly about sex with the girls and say like, you know, give me the insight here. Like the size matter, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like that was a little bit, you know, new for its time to have that kind of like frank discussion where the guys and the girls in a friendship group were all equal. So maybe that struck Sort of like a modern kind of nerve that it was, you know. Um, it felt of the moment, I guess. Well, and when I for this
0: project, kind of, I haven't seen all of the episodes, but I've seen on and off throughout the years. And being a Gen Xer, there's a certain nostalgia for it. But it's also, it's just, it's even when they're mean to each other, it's not malicious. So yeah. it's it's sweet, and it always, I always smile, and it always makes me laugh, and it always puts me in a better mood, no matter you know, what the day I've had, I'm like, I got to watch an episode of Friends. And I, even if I don't want to do it and I do it, I end up being, you know, being in a better place than I was when I, when I started. And I think that's a great thing.
1: Yeah. Cause I remember also like my hardest times that I've gone through in my life, I would put on Friends and it would just make me laugh. And so I think that's also what helps too. It's just no matter what, like Jason said, it just puts you in a better mood, you know?
3: Um, Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't, get to have friends in that way because it's,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's so you remember all the details Well, it's just like when we watch KTLA I I watch it differently because like you know we work for KTLA we watch the news and I watch other news yeah. differently you know so I imagine that's what it's like for you when you
3: I you see, you see too much of the like spackle and paste and, yeah. and you know wh- why that was and why that worked why that didn't work and,
4: yeah. oh that
3: was supposed to be that and that was supposed to be that so <laughs> it's like But I I understand the notion of it. I have a really weird, like, excuse me, go to sleep thing, which is um, mountain climbing documentaries. (laughs) Like, any, like, K2, Everest, like,
5: Uh any,
3: even, like, I watched YouTube, like, some guy's personal, like,
5: trip
3: to (laughs) Nepal and, like, his home movies on his, like, iPhone trip of, like, just trudging up mountains, like, You know, Mm -hmm. like gear and and crampons and ice axes and ropes. Like I I don't know what it is. It's just my like that's my the the comfort zone for me. I so I you know I I know what the concept is. I just Mm
4: -hmm.
0: it
3: can't be friends
4: for me. Do you mountain climb?
3: No, that's the (laughs) weird thing. Is it
2: like a fantasy you have or something?
3: Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I go hiking here in in SoCal and like, but yeah, it is a fantasy. It's like. What would that be like? It's very sort of like wish fulfillment mini for me, and so maybe it's like I don't know, vaguely hitting the same
4: mm-hmm.
3: synapses as like someone else watching that show that that is pacifying for them and feels like comfort food for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I'm you know gratified that people are still watching it because. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's like icing upon icing upon icing upon icing. Um, Yeah,
1: it keeps going. Like, I coach a 12 and under girls volleyball team. And one of the activities is like, oh, what's your favorite TV show? So the girls can all get to know each other. They're 10, 11-year-olds that are watching Friends. And I'm like, I watch Friends. Yeah, I'm like, they're 10 and 11 right now, you know? And I'm just like, some of the jokes are so, like, go over their heads, but they still enjoy it. Yeah, so it's so cool to see it go generation after generation. Like you said, icing on icing on icing on icing. I think it's yeah. gonna be, keep going for such a long time.
3: I, hope, I certainly hope so. <laughs>
1: what's um, your
3: uh,
2: what's your favorite memory of writing for the show?
3: Um, let's see. My favorite memory of writing for the show.
2: You can have more than um,
3: one. Of those. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot. Um, there's a lot. Some are incredibly inappropriate, and some are incredibly appropriate. Uh, an, an, an appropriate one um, was uh, the episode where they, uh, Matt and Matthew lose, um, Ross's baby on a car.
4: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Um,
3: there the, in the writing of that episode, what's up? What's up, little guy? Want to come and say hello? This is like how old. This is how old I've gotten. Is I got.
5: Oh, it okay? hi. hi. Oh.
3: Um. Okay. I'll be done soon. I like your shirt. That's cool. It's his birthday today. Um, oh. Um, happy birthday.
5: Um,
3: um. I will tell him. So so you know, in one of the many even pre-rewrites where it hasn't even gotten to filming yet, we were working on. Um, the scene where they they get to, I think it's the like bus depot or something. I, I forget where they get to with it. There's two babies,
4: mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, and he, they don't quite know. Like they, they, all babies look the same, and like ones in a clown pajamas and ones in duck, duck pajamas. And I, I like, I like very clearly remember where I was sitting, like which chair I was sitting right next to David Crane. I remember the building in Burbank where I was sitting. I remember being near the window. You know, um, David saying like, "Let's flip a coin," um, and and uh, and David said like, "You know, um, well, we have to decide which is heads and which is tails." And David pitched, you know, one of the co-creators of the show, "Well, heads will be ducks because ducks have heads." And so immediately, I thought the implication was <laughs> that like clowns don't have heads. Um, and so I said like, "What like what kind of scary ass clowns came to your birthday party?" Um, like imagining these headless clowns, like that he imagines that tails would be clowns because clowns don't have heads. So I remember pitching it and you know, people laughed in the writing room. And then I remember being like on stage and sometimes you'd like dress up for show night, you'd be wearing like a jacket or a tie. And it's like the electricity in the air of like basically a live performance, you know, live on film performance, the audience is there. you know, there's a DJ playing music and people are clapping and shouting and like, then you settle down and like quiet please and the lights are on and, you know, the director says action and you're seeing, you know, Matthew Perry, Matt LeBlanc doing this scene. And uh, when, you know, Matthew says, what kind of scary ass clowns came to your birthday party? And the audience just like roars in a way that like only the roar of an audience can, can like make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and like, Mm And you just look at them, and you look at them, and you you, and you just like you saw the like the evolution from an idea, Mm -hmm. you know, pitching a joke to like tremendous delight among three hundred people. It's pretty. It's like pretty heady stuff, you know. And it it, and to see it on TV, and it's like that was just something I said in a moment. Uh huh. So that was that was a great memory.
1: That's great, and now it's millions and millions of people across the world. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. That
2: is so cool. Does your son watch Friends?
3: <laughs> there, um, he's turned eight today. I have an eleven-year-old, and I also have a twenty-year-old. Um, there, none of them are into it. Um, I think is maybe a little, little too young. Eleven-year-old boy, mm-hmm. um, they're still watching. I mean, one of them like sort of Disney stuff, like Bunked and and mm-hmm. and um, uh, Liv and Maddie and. Uh, my older son is really into the Wonder Years, which is oh. incredibly satisfying to me. Like, I didn't yeah. think he would like it. I thought he would say, this is boring. It's old. He loves the Wonder Years. Like, maybe one of the best shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter has probably, like, scanned through all the episodes, but she's not fanatical in any way about mm-hmm. it. Um she, she was like a Grey's Anatomy head from the very beginning. Like that's oh, her, Grey's, that. Grey's Anatomy is her mm-hmm. friend. Like that. she's watched it four times through. Wow. All the way. She, she's she's pre-med right now at, in college.
4: That is she like, gosh.
3: That, that is her like go to sleep show. So, uh, so so yeah, I'm waiting, for, I'm waiting for one son to maybe get into it. I don't know. <laughs>
5: that's
1: so great. That's so awesome.
0: So in this episode, who decided to put Phoebe in a uh, that girl Uh, T-shirt with Knowing that Marlo Thomas played uh, Mrs. Green
3: Uh, That had to have come from Wardrobe uh, That's probably like I I can't remember so I'm sure they like Put out a bunch of shirts and Lisa liked it Or maybe Marta or David liked it Um, I don't know if there was a specific Story was that Before Rachel's mom Made an appearance or after
0: Yeah she's made two appearances Already yeah
3: Okay. Yeah. So probably might have been an might have been an homage. I don't remember a specific choice behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's one thing we talked about in the early seasons. There seemed to be a lot of mm-hmm. homage to classic TV shows or pre- preview shows prior to that. Was that intentional or is that because of that Gen X? We were we grew up watching TV more so than Gen 100%. X. One hundred
3: percent. Yeah. You've got the writers who are all. Um, Gen Xers who grew up in front of the television. So there's so mm-hmm. many references to the iconic shows of the '60s, '70s, and '80s. And 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 David and Marta's um, previous successful show is called Dream On, mm-hmm. about a kid who was just left in front of the TV to grow up,
5: mm-hmm. and so
3: all his like he expresses his emotions through old television clips and stuff. So yeah, that's a product of us who grew up watching TV. Just all mm-hmm. you know, all our references were different strokes and facts of life and. Brady Bunch and you know every show you grew up with um in the seventies and eighties.
0: Laverne and Shirley opening in Spanish though may have been my
2: favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um in the one with the football, I noticed there was a woman watching from her window. Oh really? Yeah. I
3: don't know who that is or oh, that is. like, who is that?
2: Why was I don't, she there? I, I she didn't said even know. that.
3: Yeah, she really?
4: said. Really? There's nothing. like just a
3: woman watching? I'll have to go yeah. back and look. <laughs> and I'll email you if I can figure out if there's any reason behind it or if it's just, like, an extra who had to watch the entire, like, filming of this thing.
2: Literally, yeah. Um, she was just there like a spectator, like, oh,
1: on the window. I'm going to watch
3: them. <laughs> <And so laughs> that <feels> um, <laughs> that's so strange.
4: Is
1: that someone's mom? Like, <laughs> she's on the phone for part of the time. Yeah.
3: There is. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have any story behind that because I don't know that exists.
0: And it was just one of those like you know new york women that sit on the mm-hmm. stoop and watch the neighborhood
3: yeah, yeah i'm sure i'm sure it was um the uh because the, i mean the, they're from new york and I, and we were from new jersey and there was there's a lot of east coast representations but there's a lot of sort of like east coast peccadillo's like um mm-hmm. either second or third episode of the series where like the mean new york woman yells at rachel
4: Mm-hmm.
3: um that was just like you know based on a mean woman who yells at you <laughs> when you're in new york city where people just scream scream at you for no reason
5: mm-hmm. yeah
3: um and you're just really freaked out so like yeah a lot, there was a lot of sort of east coast new york specificity that that people had grown up with i mean it, that that was like we had all grown up in in new york new jersey newark when it was like scary to walk around and then like the 90s and off became the like Giuliani cleanup of like New York in Manhattan today, which is like Starbucks and, and, you know, Mm -hmm. Old Navy and like little girls can walk around on their own, you know, to school and stuff. (laughs) This was in, this was more of the like garbage piled up New York era.
5: And I have
2: another question. Why was there a Dutch girl in the episode? Why not any other episode? Or why, you know, is it,
3: here's my
1: theory was it because of your tax lady?
3: I think it was because of my tax lady. She was Dutch.
1: <laughs>
4: she was Dutch
3: and that was her name. And I guess at the time that seemed like the most exotic thing. I could think of,
2: like, uh, see, I think I was reading too into it. I was like, maybe they have a Dutch woman because football is an American pastime. And that's something people do on Thanksgiving. So they wanted to incorporate a different culture.
3: I think, that, I think you're talking about like a very provincial young man who like, you know, Holland, Holland is like the most exotic thing you can imagine. I had not really, you know.
5: Yeah. Um, yeah too there, much.
0: there are these uh, beautiful exotic women that just kind of appear the you know the ones with the with the air conditioners out in the building and the beautiful women are roommates. And then the Yes, the, yes,
3: yes, yes. The
0: model who gets stuck in the ATM booth with <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, good acre, Jill um uh Goodacre,
3: Jill Goodacre. Good acre, good, acre. good,
1: good. yes.
0: Just to yes. show Chandler's awkwardness with uh with women. I I don't want to get uh, you know Tawdry and gossipy or anything, but I am struck in this episode and the the previous episode of how thin Matthew Perry was at this point and how you guys dealt with the challenges that he was facing or were you unaware of them?
3: Really? I can't remember. Honestly, can't remember like the chronology of everything. Mm -hmm. Like I, I feel like, you know, he had most of his challenges after I left like I think, like I remember it being the, I think you know, maybe hearing about it in the in the subsequent seasons. I have to go back and look again. It's like he was quite skinny. I remember times mm-hmm. when he was quite skinny, mm-hmm. um, but I don't remember yet if anyone was like, "Whoa, he's really thin!" Like, what's going on? I don't know. This was right in, I guess, the middle of season three, or you know, first third of season three. I don't know, like this is a guy I went out for beers with season one. So, you know, one hilarious, nerdy, you know, like sort of nerdy popular guy kind of thing. And then, so I don't know when like his personal challenges began, but I, I like, I definitely remember shows where he was thin, but I can't remember if like that was something people were like worried about yet. I just can't remember. You're going back, you know, 24 years. Yeah.
1: So in this um, episode, they also like, I think the Gela rivalry, like sibling rivalry, reaches like a totally new height. They're just like at it. And you mentioned that that was, that you have gone through that with your siblings. Is that, did the Gela rivalry come from your experience or was that idea already happening? Um,
3: I mean, I, I have a brother and sister and I'm in the middle and those, those things were very real and those, those battles were very real, those like battles over imaginary territory. I'm sure like other people in the writing room also had siblings that contributed to the, this thing, it's not like a unique to me concept, but because I wrote the draft, I probably, you know, was inspired by my, you know, incredible fights with my sister and brother about utterly meaningless things like who gets yes, to you know yeah. who gets to sit where who gets oh, to sit on the who gets to sit yeah. on the hump who sat on the hump last uh-huh. time who touched who last like who's the best in the world who is not the best in the world who you know so like very much you know grew up grew up with you know in uh, in the era of you fight and fight and fight until your dad pulls over the car and screams at you or spanks you basically <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> there was
3: no like you know Probably. There was no, like, therapy talk. Like, we <laughs> yeah. to our kids about, like, you're having a really hard time right now. Can I help you get out of your hard time? No, it was like, yeah. God
5: <laughs> damn it! <Yeah.
1: laughs> totally. It's like, pull out the belt, you know? I'm Latina. So my dad had the belt. And I'm like, okay, I'm running away.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so much stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the arguing over the chairs and no one's ready is, yeah. like, just meaningless arguments you get in that are so stupid and so immature that you would really like battle to the death over whose chair that mm. was and who left and who's who's you know, who had it last and who won yeah. and who's the best. And um uh, so yeah. I, um, are you
1: wearing any more clothes? You know what Joey does that or <laughs> laughs. I'm like what?
3: Yeah, that's like, that's again Greg Malin's a, a writer friend of mine who uh-huh. who I guess he was somewhere, whether he or someone got him back or he got someone back by like, putting on everything they own, which seemed to me such a such a bizarre punishment. <laughs> yes. I'm gonna put on everything you own. It's not even like congruous to you took my chair. It's, it's just bizarre.
5: Yeah. Um, Who's
0: punishing who in that
5: one?
4: Yeah. <laughs> one of
2: my favorite jokes or you know, we always talk about our favorite lines. Mine always just happened to come from Phoebe. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. how did her, like, character character develop? And especially here in the football episode, where she's just so concerned about everyone huddling and everyone getting along.
3: Uh-huh. Um, I mean, Lisa just brings so much to it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, uh, there, I mean, she was a character you could really have a lot of fun with because she was, you know, like, you know, Schwimmer and... and and Jen and Courtney are such sort of grounded characters like you you, you kind of know that person in your friend group sort of mm-hmm. or you've known someone like this and 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 even LeBlanc to a certain degree whereas I feel and, and even Chandler to a certain degree but like Phoebe was just such a sort of out there person that you could you could throw almost anything at her and she would make it work like she, she made it so easy on the writers because the last thing you want is for like a joke to fail um because then you have to spend hours and hours trying to replace it and so with with lisa you knew you had the best chance of lines working because she would just put her own her own spin on stuff like there was an episode where someone was someone was giving someone a haircut in monica's bedroom and it was like a, it was like waiting for a baby and like Lisa comes out yeah. and, and says, like, I, I, I can't lie to you. Like, it doesn't look good.
2: That was <laughs> my favorite line in that episode. <laughs>
3: but the line, the line was supposed it. to be, I, I got to be honest with you, it doesn't look good. Like, it doesn't seem like it's going to turn out well.
4: Right. Like,
3: it's not looking good It was supposed to be the idea. Right. But she came out and spun it. So it sounded like, I got to be honest with you, the haircut doesn't look good. <laughs> like, right? It was uh, like she's
4: like, going like, to like, die. Like, she's yeah, yeah. Like a hospital yeah. scene. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, um, my
4: gosh.
3: So, yeah, that, um, yeah, I don't remember her specific lines from football, but I remember her character wanting, you know, like being very uh, excited about the, um, the trappings of football, more right. so than like who won the the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, My
4: favorite one yeah, was, yeah. was,
2: um, when, was when Monica was like, I thought you said you knew what you were doing. And Phoebe was like, I thought you meant in life. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah,
5: yeah.
4: Oh, oh, that's
0: so good. So, Ira, what are you working on? What are you doing now?
3: Well, um, pre-COVID, I was working on a show called Dollface for Hulu. I love Jackie Yeah, Jesse I watched it. Yeah, I bring
5: and
4: yeah.
3: Brenda Song and Shay Mitchell, was and that's your good. Well, we wrote the second season. We're just waiting to shoot it, so yeah. we're we're just kind of like waiting to go into production. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all written, and so I'm sort of waiting for us to get the green light to get back to filming.
1: I so loved that's it. What I've been up to. Yeah, I loved the Wizard of Oz episode because I'm a huge Wizard of Oz fan too. So I, when I saw that you did that, I was like, oh, I love Dollface, face. So yeah. I
3: mean, here's another example, Jackie, of um, like an episode I didn't think would work. So like, it, you so never know how, like which episodes are going to turn out, which seems so surefire. Mm-hmm. and which seem problematic and there's just no predicting
4: mm-hmm. like
3: which things are going to work who's going to like what you know and who's going to like you know so like like the it, it's always interesting to me like who likes what episodes and why considering what you thought about as you made them you know yeah. and, and it, sometimes things you thought were utter failures people are like that's the thing i like you know it's like cheryl crow thought her you know like all i want to do is have some fun song was like garbage <laughs> It yeah. was gonna be like a you know, like a B side waste of a song. Yeah. And it's the one everyone likes. Um
4: oh my gosh. So
3: thank you. Thank you. Um I think Jordan Weiss, the creator, wrote that episode. Yeah. I have um, a Ring
1: of Oz tattoo, so yeah. Uh,
3: well. I mean, I've- sure. I mean gi- I'm a gigantic Wicked fan. So like oh, I was very gosh. excited oh, yes. to do to do that episode. Um I just it, I wasn't quite sure how we were gonna pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, that's a really fun show to shoot and it's um It's another like ensemble of people Mm in their 20s talking frankly about stuff and the actors are so good that it makes the writing a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Like that's what that's what kind of the the crutch they give you is by being so fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, They make they make your job easier because they could they can make a nothing line kind of into something interesting.
1: So, are you going to be part of the um, the friends reunion coming up? Are you? Did you get invited, or have you heard anything?
3: I've not heard anything, nor been been invited. I don't. <laughs> I don't even. I mean, I don't even know what it is going to be. Like, yeah.
1: It, I mean, we're all waiting. I mean, I don't know when either because they want to do it in person instead of virtual. Yeah. You know?
3: Like, I don't even know what I would be. I would. I, I think uh-huh. I'd be like. I'm sure they will not even have an audience now. Yeah. So yeah. I, but
1: it, it's like maybe I can use my contacts for Warner Brothers yeah. to try to get audience. You know.
3: But yeah, no. I imagine it'll be like interviews and clips, I guess. I just don't yeah. I just don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I have not I've checked my mailbox and I haven't seen anything about a reunion. We had a writer we had a writer's reunion um a couple of months ago, which is really fun. Like every writer that had ever worked on the show um got together at a bar and um marveled at you know how old everyone was.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that
0: that's
4: was- really cool.
0: Well that's okay. great. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us talking about uh, b- being our new friend and talking about friends. Uh, mind if we call on you again, if we have questions?
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. I just hope I know the answer. You know, it's getting to be a while ago.
5: And, uh, I, Jackie's going to send you
1: a list of 50. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, yeah. I, won't. I promise I will I just want to I find... have the
3: answer. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you so much for being an impact on my life. And I just like, what the show has given me it's just it's i'm gonna cry over it because it's just it means so much to us so it's such an honor to talk to you and talk to somebody oh. who actually worked on the show
3: so. well on behalf of the other writers and the actors and the crew and everything you're welcome yeah. um, and i'm so glad that you're getting enjoyment out of it because um, totally. you know i know I know my favorite shows give me a lot of pleasure. Um, yeah. and I can watch them over and over again. Um, and maybe if I had not worked on Friends, Friends could have been one of my shows, but,
5: <laughs>
3: um, I'm not, I'm certainly not complaining, but, but thank yeah. you guys for having me. This is really yeah, fun. And yeah, so fun. you can hit me up anytime and I'll see if I remember. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, I'll try to remember some interesting stories from, from, you know, those early days, which was, such a different time in the world such a yeah. just, like imagine pre-internet pre-phone right. how yeah. we on er, how on earth we interacted how you called someone to go on a date like how do you a pager you know
5: yeah exactly exactly
3: um but thank yeah. you thanks for having me
1: yeah right, right. thank, thank you. you so much all right thank you Ira. right
3: we'll talk to you bye later. take
0: care
1: bye. All, right, bye all right Well, that was fun oh that my that was so cool. It was so cool to just to hear the backstory of everything and just because everybody talks about the writers, you know? And so to hear one and to hear everything, like how the chronology of everything, that was really cool. I can't believe we talked to somebody. I'm going to see his, like, Cairo and I'm going to see his credit and I'm going to be like, I know him, you know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you talk to him.
1: <laughs> it's just so interesting, too, like what
2: I what he said about, you know, not like... He's not. How do I say it? Like it's like you know, like you said, we work. We work for KTLA. It's kind of like it's okay, it's his job. Yeah. You know, a, half a few weeks ago we were talking about people we see on the red carpet. It's our job. It's right. not you know yeah, anything. Yeah, so, so yeah. So it, it. I guess it feels a little better exactly. <laughs> knowing that other people are the same way. And so it's just exciting. I just wonder, you know, if he. Wished he would have stayed on longer than he actually did, but he did
0: say it was a huge time commitment. It sounds like yeah, twenty-hour days is tough. That is, it
1: tough. is. and if he has a twenty-year-old. Consistently, 20 yeah, yes. yes. yeah. If he has twenty-year-old, oh, but that'd be two thousand. So, but he's he's consistently working. You know, like you mentioned, that was just really cool.
0: Oh yeah, that was God. a great fun episode.
1: Yes, yes, that was awesome. We'll hopefully oh, yeah. we'll talk to more writers.
0: Yeah. Yes. coming up on the next episode of friends with friends Rachel goes after her dream job but is it really her dream job
1: mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. oh follow us on friends with friends podcast for more and hopefully we get to talk to more people going on <laughs>
2: and if you like subscribe download and leave nice comments thanks
5: bye, bye.